um, and it's on page 1217 of the Church Blue Bibles. 1 Peter 1, 1-12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, uh, great to be able to kick off this. Uh, I just have to move out of the way because, you know, I'm a bit small behind it. <laughs> um, it's great to be able to kick off this series in, uh, in 1 Peter this morning. Just before we go into it, let's just pray for a moment. Um, Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to come and, and, and see your word, to read your word, to be inspired to be, by it, to be changed, to be convicted, to be, to be moved on in our walk with you. And I, I pray for each of us here this morning, Lord, as, as we open your word together, that you would be speaking into our hearts, you'd be moving in us, you'd be changing us. And we invite you, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and prompt our hearts and move us and change us. Amen. So, a new series in um, 1 Peter. Uh, I took a picture here of um, a fisherman. Um, I don't know what your picture of Peter is, but I thought, you know, it's a great picture of a, a fisherman, an old gnarled fisherman. Uh, you know, by now, this isn't a deep sea, North, North Sea fisherman or anything like that. But anyhow, so that's, that's the picture there. But I was reading 1 Peter uh, at the end of last year, and I was reading it and thinking, wow, there is such a wealth of riches in it. When I went into 1 Peter, I was just really struck afresh by the treasure 
which is in there. So I'd encourage you, as we go through this series, I think it's a nine-week series or something like that in 1 Peter, um, just read through 1 Peter and, and let some of it rest uh, in you because I think we can spend a lot of time in churches thinking about all sorts of issues and analyzing faith and talking about all sorts of different stuff associated with faith. But when I read 1 Peter, I thought, this is really simple. It's just set out nice and simply. There's all sorts of stuff you could debate and talk about, but the overall message of 1 Peter is just right there around what Jesus has done for us. And, and as we speak this morning, as we go into this series, I just wanted to, um, before we dive into today's passage, just to look at the context of, um, of 1 Peter itself. And Les, I'm struggling to move this on. Um, It's green. Um, uh, well, would you mind just pressing on for me? It'd be really helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, the, mes- the message of 1 Peter. I think if you want to understand what 1 Peter is about, you can actually just go to the end. And when I started work, someone gave me that tip. They said, if you want to know what's in this paper or in this book, just read the intro, just read the conclusion, and you're pretty much sorted. So I'm not wanting to dismiss what anybody else says in the other nine sessions. But, you know, look at the first verses, look at the last ones, and you'll be there almost. Well, I'm sure that's not quite true. There's loads of good stuff in the rest of it. But when you go to um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, you see what Peter says here. This is some of his last, last verses of the book. I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. So Peter, who knew Jesus, who touched him, who met the resurrected Jesus, who started off life as this rough fisherman and went on to be a leading apostle in the founding of the church, he says, I can testify I am testifying, I'm writing this to testify to you as to the true grace of God. And as we go in a few minutes into, back into chapter 1, we see how he writes about the factual resurrection of Jesus Christ giving us new birth. In chapter 3, he talks about, for Christ died for sins once for all to bring you to God. That's what Peter's purpose in this letter is, to testify to us and encourage us as the true grace of God, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he was resurrected, and he's alive again now, and he's brought us close to God. Now I know, um, just through talking with people, there are people around who, in the church who, who might say, well, I like church, I enjoy church, but I'm not sure how much I really believe in Jesus how much faith I've really got in Jesus. Well, Peter says to you, Peter is writing specifically to you, saying, I testify as to the truth of the resurrected Jesus. And the other thing Peter's telling us is he's telling us he's doing it in order to help us stand fast. And why is he helping us stand fast? It's because it's not always easy, is it? Um, If you go through uh, 1 Peter you find you know, this letter is written to these uh, small groups of ch- uh, Christians who are spread out across what is now northwest Turkey. And they were suffering all kinds of trials and difficulties. They had a lot more to come, but at the time when this was written, those trials and, dib- and, and difficulties weren't the massive things. They were some of the smaller things. And if you, go, if you go through the letter, you'll find some of those. So chapter 2, accusations of doing wrong. Uh, injustice, unjust suffering, 
being insulted in chapter 3 and reviled, suffering for doing right. Chapter 4, refusing to join in with ungodly behavior, perhaps maybe in the workplace or wherever we spend most of our time, and we refuse to join in with some of the things which are happening because it's ungodly. This is a letter which is written to us as well to help us uh, stand firm. So, as we go into the P- uh, series on 1 Peter, there's two things to remember. It's the true grace of God and standing fast in it. And that is the purpose of Paul's, uh, Peter's letter. I kept saying Paul when I was practicing this earlier. I mean Peter. <laughs> um, of, Peter's, of Peter's letter here is to help us stand firm. So, so to go back to um, today's passage, um, chapter 1, verse 1. I'm actually only really going to focus on verses 1 and 2, and that doesn't mean it's going to be quick, sorry. But <laughs> I'm only going to focus primarily on chapters one and, uh, verses 1 and 2. And, and Peter opens it as to, to those who reside as aliens scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, in the NIV version, it's elect and strangers, but it's the same concept. This is the American Standard Version. But I really like that reference to aliens. And I, I went out and I tried to get a picture of aliens for you. I don't know how well you can see it up there. Um, you can see it's green and it's got some big ugly eyes. Um, can I let you into a secret about my life history? I used to be an alien. <laughs> I did. I used to be an alien. And the reason I am so confident in that is because I used to have a small green booklet. It had my photograph in it and it had some big red official stamps in it, which certified me as an alien at the age of 18 with permission to live in China. I had an alien's resident permit. Now, I didn't quite look like that. I don't think I quite look like that. But I was spending a year teaching English in in China before before I went to university. Um, And perhaps some of you who are not originally from the UK might have had some of these experiences here. But for me, as an 18-year-old going to China, everything was so different. Uh, I did actually totally feel like an alien in China. Um, I couldn't communicate. I couldn't even read what was written and try and make some sense of it. You know, when you go to France and, you know, you think, beer, 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 you know, it's kind of the same sort of thing. If you go to China, it's a load of squiggles. <laughs> you, know, you can't understand a thing. Uh, I couldn't even eat because I couldn't use chopsticks. I was eating food put in front of me, which was totally, totally different, which I could have never have imagined eating in, you know, in, a, in a thousand years. And even out on the street, people used to stand and stare at me because I was very, very different. And I didn't look like them, and they hadn't seen very many people like me. It was such an experience for me of being an alien. Um, and I didn't become Chinese, but I, I became more able to operate there. I learned a bit of Chinese. I actually learned how to use chopsticks. I learned that really quickly because I was hungry. Um, <laughs> but I still longed for home. I wasn't Chinese. I still longed for home. I had a place which wasn't where I was. Um, and my time in China, my time as an alien, was time limited. I had a future beyond that. And as we, talk, as we look at Peter here, and he's, he's talking about aliens in the world, as us being aliens in the world, um, I wonder how distinctive our alienness is 
How distinct is each of us as an alien in the world where we're living? Um, do we find ourselves sort of blending in or standing out? These green guys stand out, don't they? Um, sorry, where's this? <coughs> a chameleon. If you've seen a chameleon before, which changes its colour to blend in with the background, I thought, what's the opposite of an alien? It's perhaps an, a chameleon. And a question, and I think a challenge for us, is how much do we err to being chameleons, and how much are we willing uh, to be aliens uh, in the world? And as we go into um, these first, this second verse of 1 Peter here, I think there are three places where Peter shows us how we are aliens in the world, what makes us aliens in the world. There is chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. So to those who reside as aliens, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Do you see the Trinity there? That's not the major point of what I'm saying, but do you see the Trinity there? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son or working in there. <clears throat> Sorry, I just lost my place there for a second. Let's go back. There we go. Um, so let's unpack these a little bit. Cho chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. How does it feel to be chosen? Special. Great. Honoured, maybe. All sorts of things. In some way, it's also scary, isn't it? Where is my free will in this? Didn't I choose to follow Jesus? What about others? And yes, we are making a choice, and it is a key free will action that each of us must all make. And we could spend for ages talking about that, couldn't we? But I think the underlying truth that is part of what makes us aliens is that it is God who initiated all this process. There is a part all of us play in it. We all still make those decisions to follow Jesus. But it's God who initiated this whole process. And therefore, for me, that means that we can trust that we are within God's gaze because we, we are chosen. We are safe with him. And that confidence in that overriding control, which is the sovereignty of God. I think that's what carries us through difficult times sometimes, is that we've got that confidence that we are chosen. We were singing about it, wouldn't we? Chosen as a child of God. And, and I think that's also where if you look into verses 4 and 5, where Peter says that we have a future that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We have a future which can never perish, spoil, or fade. So if we think about how we are aliens in the world, I think that makes us an alien, doesn't it? When you're out at work, when you're out every day, who else has got that confidence that the God who was there from the beginning of time, from before the beginning of time, and will be there all the way through time to the very end, is in control and has chosen us? Peter says, but you are a chosen people to a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out 
of darkness into his wonderful light. That's in chapter 2 of Peter. But this whole concept of being chosen is a feature of why we are aliens in the world. The second one is sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So there's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit which happened when we came to faith. And that is something which happened at a point in time. And Romans is quite clear, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So at a point in time when we have faith, our hearts are changed. God sees us as changed. We are forgiven. And that is from the past all the way through to the future. But then there is also the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we move forward. And I think it's that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit on our lives which actually helps us to be able to go through trials and difficulties. The Holy Spirit points to what Jesus has done to us and points us to the future. It brings conviction of sin, but also, crucially, repentance. And I think, actually, I just highlight that tandem of conviction and repentance because when we're sitting there with that great feeling of uh, unworthiness, that great feeling of guilt, that's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit leads to repentance, conviction and repentance. That's the accuser telling us how bad we are, how useless we are, how unworthy we are. And we have to turn that off. But we need to be listening to that prompting of the Holy Spirit, which is convicting us and actually leading us to repentance. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's the ongoing work in our lives, that remaining sin, those remaining struggles, those things which he's working on in our lives. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that uh, here, in, here in 1 Peter, where he refers to in, in chapter, in chapter in, in verse 6, he says that in this, that in this is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And then he goes on to say how so our faith will be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor. How do we keep going in trials and rejoice? We keep going in trials and rejoice because of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and the ongoing sanctifying work that is happening in our lives. And that picture that there's a future, that this is time-limited. We're aliens only for a time-limited period of time. There's a future which we are looking forward to. And I think that's the, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. My slides go everywhere today. <laughs> so the third thing which we get in these first two verses is chosen for a purpose. And the purpose is obedience to Jesus Christ. This is alien talk again, isn't it? Obedience to Jesus. Who talks about obedience? Well, we talk about it at home to the children, but that's slightly different. It doesn't seem to go very far either. <laughs> but obedience to Jesus Christ, an alienness for us, because we have a purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is obedience to Jesus. And there are two ways of living in the world. There is this way, which is where uh, we say, the world is all about me. Life is all about me. I was thinking about it, thinking, what is it? It says there are three people in my life who are important to me. It's me, 
It's myself and it's I. Um, Living life under our own lordship, doing what we want, going the way we want. The other option is letting Jesus be the Lord of our lives. Peter refers uh, in his passage here, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. There's something in that lordship, isn't there? Our purpose is obedience to Jesus, letting him be the king of our life. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we get that chosen purpose, and our purpose is obedience. So what does this obedience mean? So if you go through 1 Peter, you'll see some of the ways and the places where Peter's talking about what this obedience to Jesus means. Just over the page, he talks about, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. What are these? Lust, greed, competition, arrogance, all sorts of things. In chapters 2 and 3, he talks about changing our relationships. He talks about the relationships of slaves. Do we have slaves? Well, no, but I think there may be some truth in there about, uh, in the writing about slaves, which is still applicable to the world we live in today. He talks about husbands. He talks about wives. He talks about living in harmony. He talks about these are the ways in which we live out a life which is obedient to Jesus. And then in chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, he, he, he says this, Therefore, be alert and of a sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Obedience to Jesus? This is obedience to Jesus. Alert with a sober mind. Pray, loving each other deeply because that covers over a multitude of sins. Hospitality without grumbling. Obedience to Jesus? These are some of the ways which Peter talks about it. And I ask us the question, where is it that we need to think about our obedience to Jesus? I knew a chap once. I was uh, working for Operation Mobilization at the time. I had a summer with them. And uh, they had an intensive Bible course, which this guy was doing. And as part of that, he said, what I feel really challenged by is I really feel God is asking me to invite me, to, to, to invite him to show me my heart, to show me my own heart, to show me the truth of my own heart. And he said, well, that is such a difficult thing. I'm opening a massive Pandora's box. What is God going to place on my heart? But in that process of asking Jesus to show him his own heart, Jesus showed him areas of his life where he, he wanted him to bring under his obedience. The things which he wanted him to bring to Jesus and say, yes, I submit these things to you out of obedience to you, Lord Jesus. And I think it's a, it's a scary thing. And it takes a lot of courage, and I don't know that we should do it lightly. But I'd encourage each of us to be asking Jesus to prompt us and move in our hearts and show us which parts of our lives he's wanting to be greater under his control and his obedience. I encourage you to do that this morning. As we move into a time of prayer and worship after the end of this, I'd encourage you, invite the Holy Spirit to come in and prompt you in your heart. But then it's not a solo task. It's not a task just to do on our own. It's something which we need to be accountable to people about. We need to invite people into our lives and share where we feel God's putting 
that challenge of obedience on our heart. There's opportunity, there will be opportunity to come forward and be prayed for. Take that opportunity if the Holy Spirit is prompting you in your heart over an area of obedience this morning. Then come forward and be prayed for. Be ministered to. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and work um, in our lives. But also share it in small groups or in prayer partners or wherever you have that engagement and that accountability. In what areas is the Lord Jesus saying, actually, I really need you to let me be the Lord of your life in this area? So, why are we aliens? It's because we have a purpose, and that purpose is obedience to Christ. And by the sprinkling of his blood, which is hopefully... No, it's not. Uh, and by the sprinkling of his blood. Did you see that in those first couple of verses? Um, obedience to, to Jesus Christ. And, the, and by the sprinkling of his blood. And what is this sprinkling of his blood? Well, actually, Paul gets a great pleasure next week of talking about that a little bit more because Peter actually uses that very phrase um, in the next, in the next um, section. But what is it? It's about the redeeming of us by the blood of Jesus. And here in chapter 1, Paul, uh, Peter also uh, speaks, speaks to us about it. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So we are called to obedience, but we can rest in the confidence that we've been called by God into a new life. We have been, given, we have been born again. And that very inheritance in heaven, it's never going to perish or spoil or fade that future. So as we work through that question of what does obedience mean, we need to keep that in, in touch with the fact that we are forgiven. We are made right. We do have a future. Everything in life spoils and fades, doesn't it? We grow old. We grow ill. We run out of money. There are wars, there's death, there's coronavirus. All of these things in life. I was talking to someone the other day, so we start as a little child and we almost end as a little child. But we have a confidence here that our future is secure. That future will not change. It will not spoil. It will not fade. It will not perish. And that's why we are aliens in this world because we have a future. Now, if you are here today and you feel that feeling of unworthy, you feel you're not good enough, or maybe you feel that you're overwhelmed by the trials of life, overwhelmed by all of the things, um, Peter says to us, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the, pro so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This, this isn't a nice sort of theological nicety, some sort of magic happy pill to, to make us all feel better, better. This is a truth which we have to hold in our hearts and we have to hold in our lives. Though we don't see him now, 
we believe in him and we are filled with an inexpressible glorious joy it's based on the proven resurrection which peter was telling us he testifies to he saw he felt he touched and he testified to and it's that perspective i think which enables us as christians to 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 live as aliens in the world and to live through the trials and pressures um, that we have so if i was to summarize where we are at this morning it's just in these first two verses of one peter we are chosen by God who is there from the beginning and will be there all the way through. We've been set apart by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' death and resurrection, it's a finished, closed, setting apart, but also through the ongoing sanctifying release of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then thirdly, we are set apart for a purpose. We have a purpose in life. And that is obedience to Jesus in light of the sprinkling of his blood to redeem us. So perhaps the band could pop back up and we'll just think about this and pray into this as we, um, as we, as we end. So let's, let's pray from 1 Peter here. 1 Peter, verse 3 and verse 8 to verse 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Lord. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have that inheritance. Thank you that it can never perish, it can never spoil, and it can never fade. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And Lord Jesus, I ask you that wherever each of us is this morning, that you would be touching our hearts with your challenges on obedience in our lives. And yet also you would be filling us with that inexpressible and glorious joy which comes from you and from your Holy Spirit. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And Lord Jesus, we ask you that you would help us to fix our minds and our perspective on the fact that you have our futures in your hands. So this morning, if you want to experience Jesus for the first time, if you want to respond to that message from Peter which says, I testify to the resurrected Jesus Christ who I touched and I felt and I saw. If for the first time God is prompting your heart on that, then take the opportunity to come forward and be prayed for. Or perhaps if there is an overwhelming conviction of sin in your life, you're feeling convicted of sin and, and the Lord is putting on your heart a place where he wants you to bring obedience to him, come forward and be prayed about it. It's absolutely fine. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister in, in our lives. Or perhaps we're in a place where we're overwhelmed by the trials of life. 
Perhaps we'd like to experience more of the grace and peace that Peter talks about being in abundance. Perhaps we'd like to experience more of that inexpressible and glorious joy. Then, then come forward and be prayed for in that as well um, as we move into a, a time of song and worship. But the thing I would encourage you is if God is prompting your heart this morning and touching your heart, don't, don't let that go. Do something with it. Amen.